Hi, I'm Glenn Roy. And I'm Kareem, and welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where... Fabulous, here with the heel-strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. Hi. I feel like I've been seeing it in a while. Although I last week, my ear from it. I know. But when we're in the midst of the introduction, come here and say, I'm going to just run with it. I'm going to just dirt at this point. I'm going Oh gosh, we really wish people could have seen a background. I feel like what we need to do is post a picture of your background on the Instagram if I even can. For the people that say, all the excitement you have gone with a week now. Listen, listen. I'm going to just love when people and see it. I'm going to meet them or whatever. I'm going to go and we get a one-off message, like a private message from Zoom. Oh my God, love your house. Oh, oh my God, your apartment is so fabulous. A friend of mine, a friend of mine she texts me like, so is this? where you are right now or is this a background because I, I can't tell these days i'm like oh what you like to know i'm gonna tell you this background because you know i'm not i catfish the people then but you can dream it fit me it suit me i'm not thinking show it into me girl show it into me <laughs> so how you been what you been up to oh my god this has been i was in good you know, good spirits this week, getting work done on Miss Dissertation. She, um, not a lot of page added, but just like some patchwork that I think is important to make sure that everything streamlines. Finally reached out to um, the dissertation chair and was like, look, it's time for us to present this child to the world because, whew, if we still don't find it, but now we're ready, it's intense. So I meet with her Wednesday, and then hopefully from that meeting, we'll set the defense proposal date, which should be sometime in December. And then... Um, if not, then definitely before the start of next year. And then from the sort of real, you know, hands-down work, start with the collection of the data and analysis and all of them. So I'm can't graduate next year because some nice work at Jump on the Markets. Um, I see a lot of people have been tagging me a lot of stuff. So I'm glad people have my up on their mind. That's good. I have tagged me there um, about like social equity, social justice work and kind of like the work that I'm doing. And so they're literally specifically hiring tenure track faculty for those positions. Even though I'm not so gung ho um ten um faculty anyways, but I haven't like completely written it out. So I and the money must seem too bad. There's a fellowship that is more one of the more generous ones that I've seen. Mostly the fellowships go from like forty to maybe fifty five. Um this one's a two year fellowship for like seventy K with the full benefits and so on. So it's not sound too bad for the first two years out of school and then from this I'm gonna attack the big money. So we did a little panel discussion this week that was um that was really good like it was well attended i think they had like 400 people at one point in a virtual space with like the presidents of this college and the chancellor from my university and the presidents and vice presidents of this and i'm just like a student and i said oh yeah no, I know so me have something for time, girl. Go in and sprinkle for your little wordplay. And everybody from the, from the, from the, from my do that, everybody just starts to use Kareem's word, to use Kareem's word. I say, yeah! Remember when I'm in the job market, because then I use up my words. <laughs> yeah, girl, just play with the TV pandemic. Hello? What's going on with you, my love? Um, so this week passed, you know, it, it, it was a bit hectic, and then I you know next week will be hectic. To, to be quite honest, so, as, so I, so you know, I'm still working on that that paper, the paper that I submitted to this other entity that I'm doing work with. Um, so it was submitted, and I've gotten your feedback. So I'm going to finalize it because the actual presentation of the paper is next week, and I'm going to be on the panel for that. So I want to make sure everything is done properly because I've made some very strong comments in it. <laughs> so I've already up my body, because. People might not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm that girl. So, um, you know, so there's that. I'm actually looking forward to that, but then it's November. So what happens, so in Jamaican civil society, what often happens is that, especially when you get funding per year and you're on a year cycle, um, especially this year because of COVID, 
a lot of the funding is supposed to be used up to do the work that we plan to do, but of course, COVID would have affected that. So now, because things there, you know, have eased up a little and they made COVID resilient corridors, a lot of the trainings that we wanted to have been doing throughout the year we're doing now. So a lot of things are, are backed up. So there's a lot of work across the departments at the flags. How people just want to push out and work because people, and, and you know, after being on the team all the while, like they did not let COVID stop them from coming up with creative ways of doing work. But now, them are like, do the work where they're supposed to do, but they couldn't get through because of COVID. So all of that is backed up. And we're planning for next year as well, you know. Um, so we, I, I did a training. Oh, let me know. I attended a training because even though, I mean, I was overseeing it, it was really it's two wonderful staff members who they just took it over from me, and it, the training it just nice and go. Oh, it's supposed to go. So big them up, and more themselves, big them up for yeah. Um, then I go out themselves so the, the team really I show out and I show up. Big up Elsa, my big father, because Elsa really just step up and I do him thing. I'm gonna build up big father at us so <laughs> but yeah I mean it's been a busy week and oh also today your girl almost died. JPN you side say it might come out of the car because me and another child and Chip welcome from the gym and in the, and in the, in the stuff and the stoplights and in the, in the go up on the phone and check something and it turned green so you know, you know that scene from Devil Wears Prada where she just says go so me green me green one of them and the child was not having it so oh, so when he got onto my road the child jumped out of the car and said drive girl <laughs> Me, I do it. Yeah, I do it. My mother had the two bars, but I almost go up on the curb one, one time, but there was one popular. <laughs> but I was not that we read something safe and so no, make nothing, nothing scratch, scratch on the car. Oh, God! <laughs> no, Jesus, we live for the Glendry JV and soccer, them nuts. But yeah, girl, they would have written about the ethic and the known ethic and the ethic, but yeah. Then you can ask the thought that they're not in at the topic for today. Um, I'm not gonna tell the people it's a last minute topic. Somebody may just talk to somebody and it's something to me, and they say, Oh, we need to talk about this, especially because it's happened to a friend of mine. So, we well, you know we, 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 we use yellow pages in this community, it's always, it's always going on, but you know, there's some dangers to using the yellow pages, um, and so. This week, we're talking about hookups gone wrong, um, with a broad definition of gone wrong, um, just to kind of demystify the experiences and remove some of the stigma out of it, because I don't hear big people, waffle do, waffle do, and anything happen just happen, so when I judge nobody, right, we're going to talk to them. So, what is your definition of a hookup gone wrong? Oh, God. Um... Hook up gone wrong. The person we have talked to for almost however long, right? However long you've been speaking, you reach and boom, you realize they get catfish. Hook up gone wrong. Um, what else? No, the size no. expect. Wait. Then most of the girls them out there catfish specifically, so they will show you them face. But they're catfish with the with the D. So right. I'm like, like, so awesome. Sorry, they know me, I'm a soapbox then. So the catfishes of the world, and I've been catfish before, so I mean I'm not pretty like no. <laughs> so the catfishes of the world. What expect? Like, what expect to happen? Like when you show up not looking like what you're supposed to look like. Or what you show, what you've led us to expect. To look like is it that you think that because they are in front of me, the Africa say yes? Is that the thought? Like when, when, when you show me the people and body and then miss it and then be disappointed, is that because you think they're naked already? When I was saying, hello, pack up. I get out there with the pack up, you know. I know a couple girls with hotel boy for pack up. So I, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I mean, I understand it. And then there are these, there are these approaches to hooking up where 
people legit out there think they're going to hook up with them and not know what they look like. Like, them things say, like, especially on, on, on the yellow pages, them literally out there think they're going to show you them dick and then something going to happen. I mean, because clearly, I don't know what I say. Me no business going on the so could I look like your face I fall off? Me nothing else no matter. Me don't understand it. Me don't understand it. Why me? I just say yes. Come on, me yarn. I yes, me come meet you elsewhere. And I don't know what you look like. And then when you ask, me not understand the whole idea of um, catfishing somebody, but still have the intentions for meet them. But just, me don't know. Me don't know. I'm not telling like, me get catfish before, especially younger in the age of pseudonyms and. Um, and the fake name them. Somebody kept me not talking when they give me a wrong name, and then the person said, I already know really and show my name Glenroy and not um Kevin, like when they tell it and Kevin was my student, like Jesus me I said, Mr. Oh my god, that's my old myself for Kevin. Jesus Why see that now look I know kind of look at my can and not Kevin. I got to lie like that about that strike me. <laughs> but like, you gotta tell me, say, look a certain way. Maybe have this guy, this young guy. When well, I was younger, I attack, you know. But I'm my fault, I'm a little big man. I'm telling you, I'm 19. I think that time I was like 16. So I'm like, I'm here, 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 and they're not me, and they attack the guy, attack the guy. No, back in them days, I'm not know if it's still happen now. Back in them days, they meet this morning and by this afternoon, they're in love, and by the evening, they're married in a clear relationship. The girl's still doing it. But the guy said, I want a picture of me. I said, Yes, you see, I'm a 19 year old man. This, yeah, this is, this is, this is it for me. I'm, I'm done. I'm coming off the apps. I'm coming off the gates and I found my person. No way. I'm more to tell the story, but that's such a thing. Is it as soon as they think they find the one man, the app deletes everything. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I have a look book with a poem, and we're going to type in one poem sent to them, and I'm going to exchange poem back and forth, back and forth. Roses are red, ballots are blue. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, girl, I don't know. But, anyways, you know, I meet the man now, you know, for um, emancipation, for reach out to me, my boss, guy, emancipation, for tell my brother about me, then a study group, glad Jesus, I hope you're not listening. And they didn't know, I didn't know, said they feel like two hours, can't find the man, can't find the man. They finally decided to know me. The man can't tell me in everything, you know. But of course, me, I look for somebody for a particular um, height and stature and everything. You know, so I look at short, um, chubby guy, still kidding about you. I'm going to say, but friend, you never have to go through all of that, come tell me. And then now, make it worse. I'm going to two hours, I look for this man. Well, when we when do finally see me, you know, so I wave the guy's tape and, and wave and then go about the business. <laughs> Glenn Rye, Mr. Edro, and then after, ah, he takes me home, love me and this and that, and please forgive me. So I'm just going about the business. I want to be afraid to be seen with you or something. I don't know. I don't know. After two hours, I this man on. No, but this is what I'm get. Because, you know, I'm the girl that puts up my face on what on, on the apps. Why you know who you are doing? Once me, and that's what I mean, say, if me I put up my face for time, me now go, you already know who you are doing. You already know, say, so like the face, and that's why your message that face, can you find a face that attractive? So me now go there, developing, and they are no longer like, conversation with no man. I've talked about lights, these slides, where we come from, and all that company, when I don't know what to look like. Because then, no matter how much you, no matter how much you think that the conversation gonna make with soulmates, my soulmate no ugly. Period. God never met me that way. Then. My soulmate no ugly. So it's, it no matter. So I'm gonna ask for the picture then. But me not understand if you already know what the person we are gonna actually look like. What is the problem? What is it? But what else? What else? Not cut the around here. Say outside of the catfishing. Outside of the catfishing, um, miscommunication, because they go there for the one thing that when they reach, they might ask if they engage in some other things, and they say, well, and there. I never really sign up for that. Um, rewind. And I got a lot of that when I moved here, right? When I moved to the US and I tried experiments and I tried to look at it like I'm going to set an episode and check out for some, check out a classmate, whatever. Whatever that be. Um, <laughs> 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 like 
I met with this, I remember meeting with this um, white dude once, right? Um, older guy, and at the time, I never really mind older people because at the time, that, that, was my, that was my thing, right? I liked older guys or whatever. And we get there and my line, my tagline was, oh, I can't have sex with you unless I'm in a relationship. We can do foreplay though. Um, and he did that by it and everything. Good enough. And, you know, we are going to carry on. And the man keep the pan, release your stomach, release your stomach. So me didn't know, cause you know, girl can't trust about her body. So me got my belly well tucking and everything. Me holding myself. So me didn't say, you know, I said, oh, all right, we can just pick up the release my stomach. So me let up my belly. Right to do all the man just pan, give it to me, release your stomach, release your stomach. Afterwards, now, me I recognize that the man really want me. The man want me, yes. <laughs> the man want me. Release my bowel for him. I'm like, what? Then next and then I realized that like when we got him out, so like ever so often, like every few minutes my after we need something for drink. Do I need to use a bathroom? And do I need to pee? Um watch a sport, go and show that the man in you know, I'm poor looking at me, man. I used to them something that miss it, you know, I forgot we can't come back. Can't come back. There was a nurse, there was this one time this nurse. Um I insist them come there like after a whole day of like after the gym or some foolishness like that. I mean, now my mind again, innocent look at me, not really kitchen to where this person warm for do. <laughs> if you want the full order, like him come, like him, like, I think I went to go see him. He's like, well, when was the last time I showered? I said, I showered last night. But again, you got to not really expect for him then. The man didn't do anything, and of course, him offer for perform um to toss my salad and in the name i say you sure you took you the last time you took a shower was last night because that tasted fresh that tasted fresh and i'm like nasty man man one funky order and everything i'm like even don't listen to uh, some hook up gone wrong um miscommunication and have a clear point where what a person i expect and you got there thinking you know it's just gonna be a typical time I don't know if they realize, but me, I'm gone from the ceremony, so I'm going to find out. I hear everything you say about God. Yes! Oh my gosh! My love! Oh, okay. So, yeah, man. So, oh, that's also definitely a thing. So, what I'm also thinking about, though, is what often happens. So when it gets to the scary side of things, because, you know, those are discomforting, uncomfortable, but we also know that it can get to the scary side of things. Um, people right. have robbed, you know, people have been attacked. And, or, even if it, 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 it starts with that, oh, you know, I want this and you want that, but when you realize that I am not, I'm, I'm not interested in what you want, you become forceful. And that's also a thing. Um, and so I think it's important to talk about this because we, it happens in our community and it, and it happens because we live in our country where, and, and, and it's not just a Jamaican thing because of course it happens all over the world, but we do live in a country where people retreat to these apps for their own sense of safety and security because they want to protect their identities. And so it's very easy for you to get connect, for you to, two people who are hiding their identities from each other to get in touch with each other. And then one of them has ill intent and the other doesn't. And because of the context in which it happens, so the gay, one gay man goes over to our next gay man or a straight man pretending to be gay, goes to your apartment, to your home, you're expecting something, maybe the sex happens, maybe it doesn't happen. Um, and then the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're being robbed, there's a violent attack, or somebody expects money from you after the sex has happened and then starts to lash out. And I know it happens in many different ways. Because some people, um, because some of them are some like more effeminate persons who are out, they will threaten out to you, like they're gonna go sell a story, they're gonna create excitement out of your place, and then you pay them how much ever you can just to get out of that situation. Because that I've heard that particular story happening, you know. Um, or some people that there's no way to the success they've come, 
them waiting they look like they get relaxed you attack them rather than gone with your thing so it's it's important that we talk about this because i feel like people what happens after is that it happens and then you're not gonna talk about it because you're shame right there's so much shame around sex that the fact that you went and had sex in a clandestine way even though the reality is we have access to it within our context because not everybody will go out to the spots where the gays hang out and, and try and meet each other there. Not everybody is connected to the networks. So many people don't come to JFLAG events, for example, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, not everybody will know a party promoter will have a line man. Yeah, so, and the apps, they're going to go, you got to go up on IG, where the girls use, and you're going to go up on the yellow pages, or you're going to go, you're going to use free Twitter, whatever it is. And any type of situation can happen there. Um, and I think it's important to let the girls know that it is not your fault. So I feel like all of, a lot of times when this happens, people often feel like it is my fault. If I had been more, I had been, even if I kill this, even if I just love fuck, I'm fuck you, fuck you, whatever. But it's like, everybody want fuck. Everybody want to get out of peace every now and then, and there's nothing wrong in going after that um, in a way that you think works for you and mm-hmm. taking advantage of you not necessarily means so you were at fault. I mean, are there strategies that we can definitely use to protect ourselves? Yeah, develop them something over time. But yeah, I think it's important to just let people know if it happened to you, it's okay. Yeah, I, and it's funny you mentioned that too, because as you're talking about that, I remember a story. Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily in danger, and it wasn't quite a hookup either, but it was something where you went in there with pure intentions, right, or clear intentions, and somebody took advantage of me. So I remember back in um, high school, I think I graduated from fifth form, And um, my, I think somebody come interrupt me again. <laughs> and um, my mom had bought me a brand new, like, 15-inch laptop, HP. I remember she was saying how much she paid for it. It was like my graduation gift, right? I passed my CXCs and so on. And it was a gift for me, like, going into the sixth form and so on. And then I met this guy on, it had to be, like, Adam for Adam or one of those. And he told me that he would... You know, we, we, we met as friends. Like, it wasn't supposed to be any type of hookup or anything. But he was telling me that he, was, he works in IT. And again, gullible me, I kind of, um, he was like, oh, if you, I was telling him that, yeah, my mom just bought me a new laptop and so on. We were just talking because, again, we're just, we're just friends, right? And he said he could install something on my laptop that would allow me to have internet access wherever it was that I went throughout Jamaica, right? I wouldn't have to connect to anything. Like once he installed this particular software or whatever, I would have it. And, you know, so we're going to meet the man up in that, I think I'm like Constance Spring or something because of this same same workplace did there, right? And it was a legit place. And he came out because he was like, you know, I'm kind of on the DL. I don't want to sell near your stores. So I'll come out and get the laptop from him. So we come out and they then get them on the laptop to say, gone inside, gone winning. And Glenn and I went to say, well, while this cheers, we get back the laptop. To this day, I don't even know what the man had the laptop did. Because, oh. right, when they the laptop, they were going to workplace, right? Then when him come back out now, some foolish is going to go down across roads or whatever. So me and him, I mean, I look at poor my little brother, with the pan the bus, I got across roads um, with the man and the laptop. Then take the laptop and say, I go somewhere right there, so for week, and him right out of carry. Backside, always pass the man can't come at me. I call the man, the man not answer. I said, Jesus, please, Omega, explain this to my mother and my brother now. Jesus. And I tell them, I start praying to God for God to take away the game because I don't know Omega explain this missing laptop. Eventually, my older brother did police, so we had him call and him tell the man, oh, me give him tell my brother, said me give him the laptop. And oh, me and him in a big, big relationship. And he tell him, say me, I give him the laptop as a gift for all these things. My brother said, actually, them tell him never come out with them. My brother said, is this true? Kind of the man said, me tell this and this and that. He said, no, that's not true. It was nothing like, nothing like that. He just offered to add something to it for me. And I said, I would, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, it's not necessarily your fault, and it's not that you were deserving of that in that moment. Um, I don't think anybody 
being taken advantage of is something that they are and it took me a while to kind of learn that because again i went through that whole phase i was trying to pray the gay away i was like i'm gonna woke up with nobody else and what's him on a this and this and i'm a punishment and blah 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 yeah it, it, it could take a toll on me yeah because i feel like so there, there are ways in which the self-stigma works when it, within our communities like we use when these negative experiences happen to us because we're queer and we can't talk about them well some of us because we don't want alter ourselves and stuff like that so we end up internalizing them and we also want nobody you know the, the gays are savage you don't want nobody to take it and treat their face even in a you know in, in, in the same community so this happens to you you try as best as possible not to talk about it because of the the shame and the hurt that that comes with it and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby Oh, I'm a kind of man, I'm a man, I'm a love man, I'm a put myself in a dirty situation here and see what happened now. This is proof, so whatever, whatever. When I think that I remember when I read um, Redefining Realness by Janet Mark, and she pointed out that being queer when you're young, it is not that the abuse that we face turns us queer, it's that the queerness opens us up to abuse, it makes us more vulnerable because. She at the time um, was perceived as an effeminate boy, you know. Right. Sexual abuse was it was conditioned to under, to be understood as oh, well, she didn't want it, you know. She's queer and her being queer that means I'm a Muslim child. So even when like that gay men are abused sexually, it's almost like well, that's why you're a man. And so because you mm-hmm. don't want to go to that double stigma. You, you hide it and you internalize it, but it's important to recognize our queerness does make us vulnerable. And it is, the, it is the society that makes us incapable of talking about these experiences while the vulnerability continues. So I'm going to up the community in the ways that I know that once, or ha- what sometimes happens that once one person is robbed, what they will do on Grindr is that they will put out the picture and be like, this person robbed me. Um, be aware of this profile. Of course, people can't just change your profile just like that. Right. Those are like different mechanisms. Like people, people will like put those things out there. What me and the girls always do, you know, if you know, at certain time of night, yeah, I go do a little rock when there's boss. I always tell people send a message in the group, send somebody a live location. If you don't want every girl in the family group, you know where I go, send a live location. Do right. something. Let us know. Give us a picture. Give us an address. Give us the name where you have, so that we know where you were last seen. So it, because the ways in which things happen to us as queer people, like we can't just vanish and nobody will know because of how the clandestine nature in which some of these things happen. So yeah, I remember about that with my experience of a hookup going around. Can I just that? Yeah. yeah, girl. You know. <laughs> I've never, I think the only person I told about this, I think I, I, the only person who knows the details is Javion. Um, because, you know, I'm a, I, I just say, I'm a big fan, I'm going to really do it no more. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was while I was in London, actually, and that's what was interesting about it. You would think that, you know, something like that would happen you know, in Jamaica where it's clandestine, but no, I've actually never had, I mean, catfishing has happened in Jamaica, but I've never had the experience of a hookup gone around in this way in Jamaica. So talking to this guy on the Yellow Pages, he comes over to my place and, you know, we're going, you know, things are happening. I mean, I notice he's behaving a little bit odd just in how the sex is happening, but I said, okay. I mean, after a while, we just get tired. I'm say, all right, whatever. So me being the gracious, good, gracious host I am, I just decided, say, do you want some water? You know, we just, whatever. We want some water. Um, and also, it's also a thing, like, whenever I talk, but I always feel like them must be nice. Like, like if it's when I'm at my bottom, then after I'm done, sign on the food, and I say, you do really good work. <laughs> can, we just, can we just serve? So, as you said. <laughs> Yeah, fire food, nigga. You want to come out of the fridge there. Them kind of nights there. But, yeah, so it's... 
I went away to get him food, and I know it was in that moment that I stepped out and got him the water or whatever. He drank, but then, so I followed him out because I just told him that it was, the whole building was hackling him out. And was, I went back to my room and he was gone, and I realized, no, no, something never right with this nigga because he's stealing my, my UK card, my Jamaican card, and cash. And I never had a lot of cash on me because it was mostly Jamaican cash on me. I also don't carry a lot of cash on me, period. So it was more it's Steve for Jamaican money. So why I don't know. In the UK, why I think Jamaican money? Um, and then a little bit after when I realized what had happened, I just um I got an alert on my UK card because they realized it was a weird transaction. So um I spoke, I, I called them at the same time, the card was shut down, everything was shut down. So it wasn't a it wasn't a violent situation. It was just it put me in a very difficult position financially because I had no cash on me because I don't walk around with cash. So when you take my cards and my replacement cards take a while to come back. Um, and so, you know, I had to call my baby daddy. I said, baby daddy, I'm gonna need your help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, in, and, and, you know, with Jamie, when they ask him for certain things, if it don't make sense to him, you know, you know, really to him, somebody else kind of say, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my situation. And I mean, I, you know, in that moment, I think weird. I think you just process things well. I never, I never blame myself for anything. You know, was a thief. I'm Took advantage of my kindness. I got my cards back. And I was back to the pages some couple of days after because it was what it was. Because if me, I was like, the other pages, them, and then one out of 50 million, somebody, something happens. Then that doesn't mean that. Granted, of course, I mean, and he, it's not like he didn't catfish me or anything. He didn't like him picture or whatever. Me and I got to know full background check to see if he didn't have um, past in the have priors. And we didn't have sex with an extra and he never did nothing. So it was what it was. Um, but yeah, I feel like I do, I do remember not wanting in the moment to talk about all of it. Because also, people don't realize this. I'm, but private about my sex life, but with a private about my sexual identity. So people often think yeah. because I'm out, that means they don't know everything about my life. They really don't. They know as much as I tell them. And they often think that's enough because I'm an open person. But right, so it was more about, you know what people don't wait that sex. A little bit after, I got like, girl, I didn't know. <laughs> that is the god of tell you. So that, that's really what it was. It was the discomfort of, you know, talking about my sexuality in that way because we're private about it. Um, but yeah, um, and it was funny because I remember we were, we were having a similar conversation. I mean, this is after I came back and one of my friends was like, um, I'm glad you said it happened to you because I, I didn't give the details like I gave here uh, because mm-hmm. oh, I was blaming myself for a situation that happened to me. So yeah, you know, but so the girl in most out of phone fault, right? Right. And it's, yeah, because it's, I mean, and it's, it's so easy to, to internalize all of that and kind of take that on. Um, sometimes without even knowing, because we're so used to everything being a consequence of our queerness. Well, you decided to do, follow that lifestyle. What do we expect? And I'm pretty sure if you talk to um, straight people, um, you will find that some of the experiences are indeed the same when it comes to hookup culture, right? The stories are the same. You go there, it's not, the, it's not what you expect. All of that. So, too much man. Um, I'm you, as them come, them drop and see, put too much straight man out there, get robbed. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just that they can, I mean, they're not just say them are charging to the game and keep it pushing, but it's just like, we don't have as much space to open it because also the Jamaican gay community is very conservative, which is very weird. Mm-hmm. They love one like say, oh, them cute and them, you know, them, 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 them not boring or all of them. So they love throw the word four around in their little circle, right? And act like they're not have sex. I like, oh, they're more than their sexuality, but then when they get around, all of these type of sex. Um, and so even just that general culture of, you know, putting on airs and acting as if, oh, I'm too. You know, I'm to approach, I'm to, I'm above that kind of behavior. Um, in just how we talk about sex, 
um, that doesn't create a space where in the community you want to, where you know, sir, we invite one, one man over me and then we invite somebody over me and, and you know, them, them rob me and then maybe some of them trip me and whatever, whatever. Like there's very little space for us to even talk about our trauma because we judge each other so heavily. I'm wondering, like, because like now this has me thinking about all the other things that we probably should start to think about normalizing. But I'm not saying normalizing like hookups gone wrong, but just being able to talk about them without the fear of judgment, without the the, the attached stigma and shame, the the added stigma and shame that will um that will kind of send you into hiding, as opposed to getting some help. Because sometimes these things kind of have like these ramifications, right? Because now I'm thinking about that one experience with the guy and I keep talking about praying the gay away. That's really where that started for me, right? Where for years, like even though I was still actively engaging um, and exploring my sexual identity and my sexual orientation, for years I would feel guilty about doing that, right? So I would still continue to pray the gay away. When I said I stopped going to church, that was one of the incidents that really was like, all right, clearly this happened to me because one of the nature that the nature in which i met him right i met him on the website right i'm not thinking that okay this could have happened to straight people too because they have hookups websites that are um geared towards straight people and men and women from different places do take get taken advantage of without them knowing and so on and so forth so um yeah we definitely need to think about those spaces straight people as well that's also a reality um Mm -hmm. Like if a girl goes out and she, you know, she go with a group of guys or stuff like that, women are constantly shamed when they're victims of sexual assault or some form of assault or exploitation. So I mean, it it all connects in that way where um, there's a learned shame around sex and sexuality. There's a sense. Well, you shouldn't be doing this except in a monogamous relationship where you develop a relationship with someone you trust. You shouldn't be having sex with someone you're not knowing their surname. You shouldn't be having sex and you're not knowing the 401k plan of the person and their social security, mm-hmm. like their ID, their full middle name, their family history, their medical history. Like we talk about sex in that way where if you end up in a situation where you are having sex in a way that is not in the prescribed manner, you're not going to want to talk about it. So we're not going to even normalize just the fact that these things happen. And let's talk about it by not talking about it. And by not normalizing us talking about these experiences, it creates the avenue in which these something can happen. Because if Allah we did not talk about, if, if, if Allah we get robbed by one man, and then if Allah we did talk about the one man we robbed with, then Less people that get robbed by the one man because then it will become general knowledge that that one man is a thief. Just like people are doing, some of them are doing. So it's like we have to be comfortable owning up to our experiences. And you you can't talk about, you cannot talk about comfortably your experiences of sexual assault or exploitation or being being exploited in that kind of context. You cannot comfortable talking about the sex in the first place. Mm-hmm. In the gay community, I don't think we make it comfortable for people to talk about the sex that they have, talk about the ways in which they have sex, talk about the ways in which sex ought to be had for their own pleasure. Like, there's so much shame attached to sex that it's going to be very difficult for us to get to that point. But what's the move Because it really going to look good. Right, hopefully. Because, I mean, I'm now thinking about people who go there and go there and them foot, right? They go there and the hookup led to some type of sexually transmitted disease or infection, and now you're not getting the help that you need because, again, the stigma and the shame around all of that and just how many other different things that that perpetuates. Like, it's just, who child? But it's so funny that you said that. So one, I remember, I will never forget this. I was in, um, what's it called? Because I'm also very open about having contracted an STIs in the past. Like, I talk about this, particularly with my children, I talk about it because I'm like, yes, I, I've, I've had syphilis, I've had gonorrhea, it has happened, like, and, you know, I knew, I knew what happened, I knew what led to it, I went and took right. it, where I could, and where it was reasonable, practicable, I spoke to the person and said, this is the situation, you probably should get checked, like, I remember once I said in a group, I mean, this was our medical workers, and I said, what if we started treating STIs like the flu? 
flu. Mm. What if we started acting, recognizing that it's just like the flu, you get it and you can get, you, I mean, the flu you can't, you can't throw the common cold, really, but you get it and you right. get past it and you can, you can, your health can improve. Uh, the only reason why we treat them the way we do is because they're, they've gotten through sex. And because of this, all the time we're supposed to have sex is to be married in other one person. So if the 12 women are never having to start with them, then we should get it. So because every other way, because we've conditioned our minds to say, if you did that do this absolute extreme, which is an absolute extreme, if we have been very honest, uh, for generally, for most people, because I mean, everybody get married, and then when you are going to get married at whichever point in your life, whichever, whichever, I can't get married, I still have sex with outside people, depending on the structure of your relationship. Can I get right. You can still have commitment and invite third parties independent from the structure relationship. But because we've said it must, sex must look like this, and most of the time when people contract STIs and that it didn't look like when they get it, there's an inherent shame, and therefore we can't treat it like, oh, something will just happen because we're doing regular activity. Because people can get it at their head that sex is normal human behavior. Even if we do it privately at the yard, just like how we be private there, that is normal human behavior. Everything is normal human behavior. But because we don't do that, we have situations like this where you can't talk about simple things like STIs. STIs are very simple. They're very, it's not that one time we about access to care. And, I mean, of course, access to healthcare is different for everybody. Um, I trust that healthcare is expensive. I get that. But, and I like one time, we know how it goes, we know how it goes, we know how it goes. Right, for the most part. But we're shame for doing it and we're shame for talk about it because people will use it against us. And then when they use it against us, we can't own the fact that, that that's something that happens. But yeah, you know, I mean, you have to just remind the yeah. Yes, my love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a video. But it's a video. <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot to un- unpack. Um, and it's a lot to definitely talk about because even um, I find that some people talk about them when it's like in more adverse circumstances, right? Where it's not easy to necessarily put the blame on you or to put some type of responsibility on what happened on you. Like we find it easier to talk about it then. I mean, still hard, but like we find it easier to be like, well, you know, say I never meet other person did do this, but um in that same way, I think it's it's we, we should really think about how we um how we internalize and take on some of that because some of it really isn't our responsibility. Um, despite what the voices around you are saying, it's really not your fault. Um, and I'm not saying it's not something that you're going about, but there is something where you could talk about these things with more confidence, and hopefully, people have a space that they could go to talk about these things, and hopefully, we're all being those spaces for people who might have had some type of mishap, right? And bought them too, and then can come and say, you know, this did happen, and have somewhere safe that they can process it because Lord knows it is not cute to, to hear that somebody harmed themselves or develop some unhealthy coping habits because they couldn't find a safe space within us. So hopefully, like my pastor Love said, may somebody find in you a generous friend. Um, mm-hmm. Evangelize and a generous friend that they can, you know, really talk about these things and all of it, right? To talk about all of it the good, the bad, the high, the low, um, and everything in between as it relates to sex, sex culture, and their sexuality. I mean, a part of the problem is, and I mean, people are upstairs, but a part of the problem is, so those of us who do sexual health related work in one way or another, we stigmatize sex. So, like, mm-hmm. are we talking about prevention? Our prevention messaging is stigmatizing. And not just HIV prevention, just STM, which is stigmatizing. Like how we talk about being safe and being healthy and whatever. Um, it is stigmatizing. And so you, you, you get this, you, it's drilled in your head that if you never care this, then this will not happen to you. Right. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge that people, legitimate, it is legitimate to want raw sex. But that is not a part of the conversation. 
So for, for that, so, or, and then to pull it out, which is also legitimate to want sex. It, it can very be legitimate to want sex from different people at different times. It may also be legitimate to, even if you're in a committed relationship with a person, to want sex from another person, um, how you navigate that relationship with the next person is a different conversation for the sex that you may legitimately want. We don't legitimize people's desires. We have, and there's literally no basis for us to not legitimize those desires unless they're harmful. If any desire is inherently harmful, then fine. But these desires by themselves are not inherently harmful, but yet we stigmatize them. We call them risky behaviors. And yes, they may have inherent risks, but only referring to them as risky behaviors and not acknowledging the pleasurable elements of it that draw us to those behaviors and, 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 and reduce and ignoring it and treating like, or desires flip out, it therefore makes this desire an area shrouded in darkness that no one talks about. And so when desire is taken advantage of, you don't have the tools, we don't have the tools to talk about that. Because now you have a desire that you can't talk about, right? And so you don't know if it's safe to navigate the desire. You don't know when it's something when when the accident happened or the foolishness happened to you. You don't know because there was never a space given for you to say to talk about your desire. I mean I know when we're gonna start with the work of not I mean I talk about just people in the messaging, just in the community overall, when are we going to start to collectively do the work of making people feel like you know you can't talk about it from here, I mean I know, but I come back so much so much time already for. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean I've thought about that line of um those arguments in in relation to like therapy and so on and normalizing therapy outside of when you've experienced some trauma or when um, you just feel overwhelmed and so on. Like when I was trying to find a therapist the other day, everything around, like the way they spoke about their work was around, um, if you're experiencing life stresses and you're overwhelmed, then like, well, this is the place for you. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't particularly feel overwhelmed. I could sense that I'm almost getting there. And so I want to really find some healthy cope. Like, you know, I just want to use this as a preventative measure. Can we spot, talk about that type of therapy? Well, that's for another episode for another time. But yeah, we definitely need to find, we definitely need to find language that really speaks to how we, um, that is more, I want to say affirmative and supportive. Um, I think there are ways we could talk about the risks and the rewards, the advantages and disadvantages without um, furthering the stigma that we're trying to overcome in the first place, which is... Because that makes these things thrive. And that's the, that's the inherent challenge. Stigma right. will always make adverse things thrive in discrete communities. Because stigma is what will control our behaviors and prevent us from seeking out help and talking about stuff. So we have to be we have to be very reflective about how we talk about things. And that's why for me, I mean it's a separate thing. That's why femphobia is so important to me. That's why bottom shaming is such a big thing for me. That's why slut shaming is such a big thing for me. Because we don't recognize how those things seep into our psyches. Right. Shape how we have conversation and how we create space. Like, I, I mean, I think for me, I just remember just me and my kids talking. I'm gonna say, Come on, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about douching properly. Come. Mm. And so, no, but we were talking, and I just remember one of my daughters was showing something that she used, and all the girls was like, No, no you're hurting yourself. Like, that is too sharp. And it's just things like that. I remember another one of my daughters, she thought, she had an STI when she all she had was um, a, a hemorrhoid. Told me about it. I'm like, is it painful? How does it look? Is it outside or is it inside? I was like, girl, it's a preparation nature, girl. Why? <laughs> I love that girl. That, um, also, in there must be sex. I, and I specifically remember my first hemorrhoid that I got. I had not had sex for months, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I read up, and I was like, oh, wait, okay, because I do spend a lot of time in the toilet. So, right. so it's just little things like these, because just how we pleasure ourselves is clothed in so much shame. We have to, I think, I think those of us who do this work have to be deliberate. Mm-hmm. Intentional. Very intentional about how we make people feel like they can talk about those things, right? Make people talk. So it was so that in the next space, I could see one of my children just, we were, they were in one of the journey project stuff, and she just said, 
well, you're shit shaming. Somebody said, said something and said, no, you're shit shaming because you don't recognize. And so I feel like even though probably that was something she would have said maybe by herself, it felt good to know that she felt empowered enough to talk about that in a different space because, you know, it's a thing that happens at the bottom of the content and all of that. So, you know, maybe I'll we'll talk about sex more often and talk about sex in more empowering ways so that we can talk about the cups that around that don't reproduce shame. That was that was good. My love for you some more stories. Tell a friend that my love, come come tell we Yeah, like I mean and I do realize that people do open up to me a bit more and I'm grateful for that because the minute somebody said, Oh yeah, because it was so funny, so I was talking to somebody who then it's send one message from my other, from my other Twitter, and it will be like, oh, they must send one thing like, and that's so much I sell it for. And they tell me one low price. And I said, oh, why the price so low? And I would just have that very, you know, open and other conversation. I'm like, oh, but I just didn't want to kind of get into them. I think people need to feel like there's no shame in what they do. But okay, all right. So before we go off, shame in the game, honey. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up. So, Girl, it's been a rough, it's, why it's been a year? <laughs> it's been a rough decade. 2020 has been a rough decade. <laughs> um, notwithstanding, what are you grateful for? Um, I was thinking about this. Um, and honestly, I think, and it sounds weird because I'm grateful for the way 2020 kind of turned out. Um, and this is more personal and selfish than um, focusing on the suffering that's happening around the world in so many different ways. I think for me on a personal level, it has given me a moment really to pause because if I was thinking about my regular routine, I would not be able to really receive certain messages from God, from the universe, from people around me. Um, I wouldn't have received kind of like a stronger sense of purpose and direction. And maybe it would have happened, but I just don't know. Like I, when I think about how busy I was, right? Like from school, from picking, from picking up my nephew from school, taking him to school, da, 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 running here to this meeting, to that meeting, being a part of this event, da, 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 da. Like if I didn't have a moment to kind of just like hoosa and sit and just really think about, is this what I really want for my life, for the rest of my life? Um, I don't think I would be able to like have a clearer path going forward. And so I'm really thankful for the moments that 2020 have created um, and the messaging that I've received throughout 2020. Um, and I, again, I say that with selfish, like for selfish reasons. I'm not, I'm very much aware of all the suffering that's happening, the death that's around us, all the different things. But I think I'm still very grateful because it kind of gives me um, a stronger sense of self and a stronger sense of the role that I want to play in these projects that I want to take on for myself uh, and what I want to be a part of, like just those different things that I think are clearer now because of the moments that I've been given throughout 2020. Mm. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. So what about you, beloved? I actually have not thought about it, but if I think about it now, I mean, if you just think about the year in recap, I'm thankful for... I mean, I'm always talking for the same set of people, but, you know, it's because they're consistent in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely thankful for my girls, Christina and Gina. I'm going to get to see you yesterday because um, I have have different circles and groups of friends. And there's there's a vulnerability I've learned to be. There's a vulnerable side of myself I've learned to share with them that I don't always share with everyone. I mean, I will share... With my uh, the vulnerable side of my friend, not too late at all, but in the moment of vulnerability, they're who I run to, and they're always there, and we and we, we hold each other up. Um, so I'm really thankful for Christina, Regina, and Cecile um, for just continuing to do that. Um, I'm thankful for the team at the flags, as much as more always, so the flags will always flag out all of them someday. I feel like just I think 2020 has shown has been a testament of our resilience, right. Um, that no matter how no matter how circumstances change, we're always prepared 
to push forward and do what we should do. Um, and so I'm definitely thankful for for just for those for those people that I work with who are also a lot of them are people that are in my circle. Um, and so I'm very thankful for them for just being there so that no matter what happens, we can weather it together. Um, and I and I'm really thankful for the relationship that I have with my mother. I feel like she has been very intentional, particularly since 2016, to making sure that our closeness stays. And mm-hmm. so it definitely made me realize that I had to be more intentional about spending quality time with her. And so I'm, I'm very happy that that's something I'm in a position to do. So like, even when we just do the South Manchester um, to eat like jerk fish and so it, it, it meant a lot. Mm-hmm. I see her growth um, and see the kind of support. They got my, gra- my godmother in Dora when I was trying <laughs> because, you know, she's been a tower of strength as well. Um, and also, they got my uncle Kenyatta um, who um, has been a father figure in many different ways at different points in my life. And I already cut him off for the two years. You know, <laughs> it did stick to it and show up back and you know, when somebody just writes for you and, you know, no matter what, nobody, especially the KC people, they have this habit for always go to him whatever complaints and concerns them have. And then just say, what do I want to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm just glad that he continues to be supportive in the spaces that he is. Um, I feel like a lot of the people around me have demonstrated, especially my family, have demonstrated so much growth in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy that they've, they've gone on those journeys and, I'm all, journeys and I'm also happy that I am in the position, um, you know, economically and financially to be able to celebrate those moments and to support them when I can um, so that we, you know, I can, you know, carry them out, do nice things for them every now and then, show, you know, share the love that has been shared with me over the years. So um, I'm really grateful for that. That's a lot. Yes. Um, yes. 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 I'm grateful. I'm a lot. I'm going to talk early. I'm going to Wait, wait. Oh, see? See, y'all. You see, now you got me started. <laughs> but also, you know, like, my, the house of the emoja, especially my sisters, Kim and Christy, but also all the children. Um, I'm happy that, I, that we have that structure and I'm happy that they feel like they benefit from it because something they don't know. Um, and I remember somebody actually recently saying she wished she was in my house because she knows she would get the development from it. Mm. The fact that external persons are seeing the benefits of just being a part of that structure is it's touching to me. You know, you feel like you're yeah, to go to another world. You know? Wang <laughs> We have equals now you're like a corner. Then I talk for Jamal and we don't hear you bring up the time name. Oh yeah, of course. You know that not Jesus, but I'm not sure about thankfulness, but I threw me run out of time and I time for record fish tea. So I just come come record. So after this done, I'm not sure how very grateful I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I'll put on a big cooking for Thanksgiving girl. Um we actually are. We were trying to um to identify like seniors or single parent households that, you know, might not have it this Thanksgiving and just want to warn me. So we threw it out to people in our church. Nobody responded. I might really post it on Facebook, but I'm kind of scared because I don't want to get like a hundred requests. I really actually only have like 10 to 15 number nine because I'm going to deliver them personally. Um, but yeah, we were planning to, um, to stay home with ourselves. And my mom thought it would be a good idea to kind of, you know, share our abundance with other people like it's not like we have a lot but we know that when we ever whenever time we cook it's always a lot of food and it's always an issue like what do we do with this food so now we're like all right from up front let's start to offer it to people who might want it um because like, they know so we can cook so yeah we're gonna them be cooking as per usual um when i really the turkey eating family but we just so happen to have one turkey so we'll season our up from from last week, I was so want to flavor penetrate on gochu because if you ever eat it after taste good. Mm-hmm. Uh, ham, oxtail, curry gourd, fried chicken, jerk chicken, just a whole lot of whole lot of it, guys. That's how we do. So 
No, I'm not going to ask a question here because so you can't only carry on with all of that for Thanksgiving and then meet again for Christmas. So the, the, we normally are like either hosting or traveling. And so this, this year is kind of different, honestly. So now we're like, you know, we don't know what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. They've limited indoor gatherings to 10 people. Um, not that we didn't really like, stay by it from the get-go. But, you know, we're really trying to be respectful of the laws and so on. So we're just like, you know, we're going to be home. We might as well just cook for ourselves. We don't know what happened for Christmas. Hopefully it's a Christmas miracle. We can't travel to somebody, to one of our family member them close by and just, you know, kiki this about. Yeah, we're like, all right, we're not going to have nothing. We might as well we'll just cook and done. Oh, that's nice. I'm yeah. going to eat feet because normally on Thanksgiving, we're going to have somebody else. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. We're going to have somebody else. Yeah. And this year, she made sure book my time. She said, look, we are, you are still home this year. I said, all right, great. That's fine. She has made no. That is right. Right. So, big, okay. I'm going to say, big woman, when Mumi talk, yeah, kind of, as much as you know, sure, right at the moment, you know, but you have to just say, uh, all right, may I consider that stream kind of a stable. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, love. So, big up yourself, you know, we're not really here on the Thanksgiving. Right. So, nothing big man, one, but, child, as Andrew, them, I already have one, you know, no big Christmas guy, I don't know, me and Mommy have to just sit on our planet, so either, not just stay over there for the Christmas, but, mm-hmm. myself, uh, if, if the curfew is very early, I don't see myself uh, spend two hours at my mother for Christmas. That is disrespectful. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. I want to go me on Christmas, but after that, I can't have it. Well, yeah. I can't have a curfew, no, right? No, well, no. So what, off, what often happens is that when it's a holiday, then you try to bring down the curfew to 3 p.m. I cannot do that. Which is why we went out of town um, for um, the year's day weekend. Can't wait that one, man. But personally, it makes me the risk. I can't. So that's what I just gave my mother to go in there and carry on with the family. Because, you know, say, we're messy people. We like problems. <laughs> so, yeah. Me and the kids are Christmas, though. Fabulous listeners. I hope you got some nuggets of truth out of this conversation. And if not, let us know. Tell what we get right. Tell what we get wrong. You can send us your feedback at Fish Tea Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Or if you want to be a little bit more discreet or specific or thorough, but I don't know whichever way, whichever reason behind it, you can email us at fishteapodcast at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe on the podcast platforms, rate us, give us feedback, you know, get tell what you are with you, you know, let us know what's happening, let us know how you feel there too. Um, and in all the things, stay sophisticated. Um, bye.